The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Hey guys, here's the ongoing series about the prevail model of leadership from Dr. Noah Manyika. Check it out. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. We lose sight of the of the goal and objective of creation itself. And I think we also misunderstand these elements, the Great Commission as well. I mean, I've been involved in a lot of missions. I know you came to the United States as a missionary. You know, there's a lot going on in the space of missions in Christian culture generally that needs to be measured against the objectives that were set out for us. So much of what we see in ministry and missions doesn't fulfill the mandate of making disciples. You know, it it doesn't even get on the top 10. No, no, you know, yeah. sadly, so much of what's going on, we need again to measure and rectify our, our actions against what has been authorized as we're acting in God's authority. And you so, know, I've been intrigued, Scott, with the language I have started hearing Christians using lately. So there is more awareness in Christian circles these days that we are fighting a cultural war. Mm. And you hear people saying that a lot. You know, it's a cultural war and so on and so forth. Yes. But what is interesting is that even though that is said, we weak in terms of strengthening the culture of the kingdom. And so when you look at what culture is prevailing in the homes of believers, is the culture of the world. They are the ones who are making all these cultural products and influencing how our children live, how they dress, how they work, how they walk. <laughs> and all of that. And yeah. then we say we're fighting a cultural war. Okay, there is a disconnect somewhere. If we are fighting a cultural war and we think that the cultural war is only won by oblations and acts of worship that we have defined as these are the acts of, of worship, and we don't look at creativity as an act of worship. You know, when you make something beautiful, when you make a, a figurine that's beautiful, we don't think about it in terms of how Bezalel was anointed by the Lord to do great acts of craftsmanship. Then we have missed something, <laughs> you know. Yes. Somebody asked a question the other day and said, oh, at your wedding, because there are all these people who say, you know what, I don't want to listen to that devil's music. And then somebody asked and said, at your wedding, what kind of song are you going to be playing? And this stumped the person was being asked the question because the question was, are you going to be singing, thank you, Jesus, amen, or what kind of song? And Mm -hmm. this man reluctantly said, well, you know, I don't think it will be Christian songs. I said, what do you mean it won't be Christian songs? They couldn't quite answer that question because they're living in this 
divided state where they're like, okay, if I'm doing this, then I am going to do things which are secular. And if I'm doing that, I'm doing things which are sacred, which is preposterous. The life of a child of God is supposed to be the same in every context. Mm. Yes. Integrity means to be one, right? Exactly. Or to be whole or complete. To be whole. Yes. Yeah. And I think that this integration of our lives or this duplicity of life is a bondage that the Lord wants to make us free from. It's a bondage of perspective. It's just a mistaken understanding because reality is we are one way. <laughs> we Absolutely. are one way, either place. And God, unite our hearts, please, and our perspectives. We really, really need that. And Absolutely. it's key to us accomplishing what it is that the Lord has given us to do. I wanted to run down, if we can, a few of these points. I noticed with interest that the first bullet or the first letter in the uh, acronym is presence. And that presence continues to appear in the other expressions. And with your permission, yes, I'll put this content on the blog. Absolutely. And backlink to it or wherever you would like for people to get access to the content. No, that's fine. You can put yeah. it on the blog. Yeah. Okay, so we'll put it there and, and folks can backlink to it or click through when they're not driving or when they're not occupied, even though listening, they may not be able to do it just now. That'll be available. The presence aspect is such a big element here that it continues in yes. each of the other elements. Unpack that for us a little bit. Tell us why is presence so key? So, you know, the whole act of creation by God is an act of putting things in place. And you have got to be in place. You've got to be there in order to influence. You can't influence what you're not present to influence. Now, being present, obviously, in the 21st century can be defined in a lot of ways. I'm talking to yes. you. I'm on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. You're on the West yeah. Coast. And <laughs> we are both present in the podcast. My presence is not any less because I'm not physically present right. with you. That's the power of the 21st century. Yes. But presence is important because if you look at the whole creation story, it's about God putting people, animals, and all these things into a certain context, right? Mm -hmm. And so as far as I'm concerned, the reason why presence is the key is because that is what really defines, initially defines your impact, is that you're present. But then as you continue to improve your impact, to purpose your impact, it should be a certain type of presence. So the R represents relevant presence. In other words, is your presence practical? Is it socially applicable? So what you find, in fact, relating this to what I said earlier, What's going on with faith-based community organizations and churches? Is their presence relevant? You can be in a situation, but is your presence in that situation relevant? And it can't be relevant if you're not even there. So you have to be there first. And mm. then you have got to define the type of presence or whether it can be socially applicable. So that's why you see the presence in every one of those seven. So exploring presence. If you're in a certain situation, are you the kind of person who is just there or you explore, you find out what's going on? 
you learn what's going on around you so that you can fulfill your great commission or the cultural mandate. So that's why presence is the key. Presence is the key because it puts you in the place, whether physically, virtually, spiritually, it puts you in the place that you have to impact. And then you define the nature of your presence in order for you to really fully fulfill what God has called you to do. I can resonate with the exploring presence aspect of what you're saying. (laughs) You know, it's important. And I realize that each of us, we may have varying degrees of emphasis or varying types of emphasis. While these principles relate to everyone, I believe, when it comes to the concept of leadership and cultural innovation, we all can be located by these and some with different types of emphasis. Yes. So the exploring thing really gets my attention. And in fact, what you just said, if I could just jump in there real quick. Sure, please. When I developed this model, I wanted it also to be a tool for leaders so that they can have a systematic and biblical framework to measure their personal and organizational growth and impact. Mm. I use strong in exploring. I use strong Mm. in alleviating. I use strong in inspiring. And is your leadership balanced? Because a lot of times people can have an alleviating presence where they're helping the poor and all that. But they never Mm -hmm. really validate the divinity of the people that they are helping so that the people can also help themselves. Mm. So you look at that. In fact, one of my students is using it and they're scoring themselves and their organization. And they're saying, in terms of prevailing presence, we are at three out of five. In terms of relevant presence, we are at two. (laughs) In in terms of alleviating presence, we are at five. So it it really Uh helps you look at your own leadership and kind of like measure your impact and measure your performance. And I think that's very important for faith-based organizations to really ask themselves these questions so that you can then look at areas where you're weak and improve your capacity to fulfill the cultural mandate and the Great Commission. Amen. The fact that you can have an index along each one of these aspects, very, very, I think, important. If we're, if we're maturing in terms of our contribution as individuals and as organizations as well. Right. There are three things right at the top of my list that I want to ask you or mention, yes. but I can only do one, so I'll have to choose. Historically, I've read a ton of Peter Drucker's work. Mm -hmm. And in the second half of his life, he worked almost exclusively with nonprofits. And I was so inspired by him. And specifically, what comes to mind, as you mentioned that, is that he said as uh, nonprofits or as faith-based organizations, we don't have the same discipline that's imposed upon us like the people who have a profit necessity. You know, as a nonprofit, you're kind of free from this bottom line sort of reckoning. We have to reckon somehow. We should be more, I think, proactive about analyzing our results and seeing where we can grow in the absence of this imposed financial rigor that we would have if we weren't nonprofits. Do you agree? How would you explain that? Absolutely. For profit organizations, you know, they talk about the bottom line in terms of the dollar, right? Well, the bottom line for a faith-based organization for a church is whether you're fulfilling the cultural mandate and the Great Commission. 
that's the bottom line. So if you actually don't measure yourself according to that, then how do you know if you're doing an effective job? So let's go back to the cultural mandate. A lot of times people don't understand how the failure to fulfill the cultural mandate cripples the Great Commission. And here are some ways that it does. So you're in a city. So let's say a city like Charlotte, which is highly gentrifying and everything, Mm -hmm. and the cost of properties are going up and all that. So now it becomes difficult for churches to locate themselves in certain neighborhoods. Mm. So you have to locate somewhere. So we're going to reach them through broadcasting, right? Well, if you can't afford to do the broadcasting, then you can't reach them. And the reason why you can't afford to be physically present or to be present in the airwaves and so on is because we're irrelevant when it comes to fulfilling the call. We are not prevailing. We are not agenda setting in those areas that we consider secular. But they're not secular because that's where we are supposed to be then doing the Great Commission. So all of a sudden now, everyone who is a child of God is treated like a Jehovah's Witness and there are no soliciting signs and so on. So there's no soliciting signs. You can't afford to be in the, on the airwaves and so on. So how do you preach the gospel? How do you do it? If you want to book a certain club, they may tell you that they do not allow religious meetings at the country club. So how do you then fulfill the Great Commission? There has to be a bottom line for faith-based organizations and for churches. You've got to ask yourself, are you actually fulfilling the cultural mandate? And that is very practically expressed. So here's another example, a, a quick one. So you don't own anything. So how are you fulfilling the cultural mandate then? Because the ownership of land, for instance, which then requires money, (laughs) impacts your ability to locate yourself so you can be present in the city. So if you don't have that kind of influence, then you have a problem. And all this comes from having a bottom line. So Draka is right. We have got to have a bottom line approach Our bottom line is we fulfilling the cultural mandate. But there's a financial aspect to it that we can't forget. Are we fulfilling the Great Commission? And that's our bottom line. Yes. Well put. And I think our evaluating ourselves, you know, measure yourselves, you know, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Unless, of course, you pass or fail the test, right? I mean, I'm thinking there's a scripture there in the uh, maybe First Corinthians. I can't remember it just by reference. But we have to do that. We have to be proactive to examine the outcomes that we're getting and examine our approach as well. Absolutely. So we had a very interesting example, actually, just last week, talking to this leader of this uh, large organization, which is a faith-based ministry, which helps people when they get into financial trouble and so on. And this lady said to us, the executive director, she's a powerful, wonderful sister in the Lord. And she she said to us in this meeting, well, I have been gentrified out of my building. So now I have to look for another building to do the things that she has been called by God to do. Right. Why are you gentrified out is the question that I'm asking faith-based organizations. Why are you gentrified out instead of setting the agenda where the gentrification is happening because the fulfillment of your call is critically dependent on you being present. So why would you allow yourself to be gentrified out? And to me, there's another problem. The other problem is that we don't really look 
ahead as Christian organizations and ask ourselves what's going on around us. We're always taken by surprise when things change in our communities, and that's a problem. It is, in fact, a problem. And God give us wisdom and grace and foresight, as you're saying there. Thanks for joining Dr. Noah, Manika, and myself for this ongoing conversation on the Prevail Model of Leadership. And check us out next time as the conversation continues. Thanks for being a part of FX Missions Leadership Moment. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that when activated in your own life will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.